how would you describe uh, Joe Kennedy's foreign policy worldview? Um, I think the easiest way of doing it in, in a nutshell would be to say that whatever the Vatican thought, Joe Kennedy thought. He, it wasn't that he was such a devout Catholic, because obviously he, he broke so many uh, close rules, but he was a very, very good friend of uh, Enrico Galeazzi, who was the, um, the number two, or he was the number one non-church um, person within the Vatican, very close to um, the Pope, uh, Pope Pius XII. And um, as a matter of fact, it, he he became the U.S. representative to the coronation of the Pope. Um, Galeazzi really um, led Kennedy by the nose in terms of what he should think. Uh, as early as 1936, he had infused the idea of the corporate state, which was an Italian-style fascist state in America, uh, and Kennedy actually broached the subject with Roosevelt, who was just appalled by the whole thing. Um, he just couldn't understand how a Democrat could think like that. Um, so uh, I, I suspect that if the Vatican approved of something, he approved of it. I know that a lot of what Galeazzi wrote to him found its way into letters to Roosevelt and the State Department. Um, but again, in human terms, he only saw um, an economic view. Uh, when He knew about what was going on in the uh, countries as they were being conquered by, by Hitler. He knew about all of the problems in Austria, about the, the decimation of the Jewish population. Uh, he pretended to have come up with a plan, a, the Kennedy plan, to save the Jews, which was not a Kennedy plan at all. There were other people that had come up with these plans long before he had. But he had it rebranded and through his press contacts, which were huge, he was able to try and, and prove to the world that he wasn't anti-Jewish, which he was. Yeah. We'll get to that, the anti-Semitism part of it shortly. As America inches closer before the war, as it inches closer to, to Great Britain, did Kennedy collaborate with uh, the key isolationists like Lindbergh or Ford in advocating isolationism? He um, fed enormous amounts of information to isolationist congressmen and senators. Um, Burton K. Wheeler was the, was the main one. As a matter of fact, Wheeler said to, in, in a really difficult argument with uh, Roosevelt and the State Department. My information is more correct than your information. And Roosevelt knew that that information had come from Kennedy. Okay, so he was still, even though he was in the UK and in London, he was feeding tons of information through to isolationist senators and congressmen, which really hurt. He um, was not that involved with Ford at this point. Uh, although he had been in 1932, in the 1932 election, his his friend was um, Lindbergh. And he basically uh, involved Lindbergh in a very controversial study of the armament situation on the eve of war, 
um, and had him produce this report on the German Air Force. And the report was was very one sided. It was in, in respect of the strength of the German Air Force, completely uh, wrong. In respect of the British Air Force, it was mostly right because Britain had very little by the way of an air force, but that also goes back another 10 years before that. And particularly Chamberlain, who never, who, when he was chancellor of the Exchequer, had never voted the money to beef up the army or the air force. But anyway, so this report was, was actually extremely important, but it did not change U.S. foreign policy. Um, he remained friendly with Lindbergh. Lindbergh wanted him to become a spokesperson for America first mm -hmm. after he came back to America in 1940. And um, he refused. Now, I think that his refusal to become part of American first, I mean, he had a one man show that he was taking all around America, preaching isolationism to whoever would listen Um he wouldn't become part of America first because I believe he thought that would hurt his son's uh, political careers. And he was determined that Joe Jr. would be the first American um, Catholic president. But what he did do, which um, backfired very badly on him, is he convened all the Hollywood producers and told them to stop making anti-Hitler films. They didn't know what they were doing. And um, I quote from a two-page letter to Roosevelt from uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. about how horribly this this thing was received and how dare he um, uh, talk against the president in this way, because he was actually also saying horrible things about Roosevelt. And of course, the president knew that it was better to have Joe Kennedy not in a political position uh, with America vast approaching war very quickly, um, then Joe Kennedy in a, in a position of power. What were Kennedy's initial political ambitions? You you mentioned that he kind of realized that perhaps he wasn't the political the po politician type, but did he not have political ambitions himself before he moved that all upon his eldest son and other children? Yes, uh, he, he I, I write about it. It was it's rather vague in a lot of ways, and yet it isn't. Um, I think Joe decided, well, if I'm going to create a, a, a dynasty of Kennedys, gee, there has to be a first one. Why isn't it me? And um, as early as 1937, he is working with Arthur Kropp of The New York Times, who, who was Jewish, by the way, and in his pay. Um, $25,000 a year. I don't think the New York Times ever knew that he was in the pay of Joe Kennedy. Um, as I, I would imagine they did not know because he wouldn't have been the Washington bureau chief if they had known. Um, so they were working towards creating an image of Joe as the man who understood the international situation. And his closeness to the Vatican stroke Italy uh, and Italy's increased closeness to Hitler showed that he was quite a good man for the job. But within uh, two weeks of his arriving, it was two weeks of his arriving in England in March, on March 1st, 1938, there was the Angelus. 
And any street cred that he may have had with people who backed him in America became quite questionable at that point, because he said, let Hitler take all of Europe. We don't care. Okay. And the reports were coming through very clearly, as with Ukraine today, what was going on. Um, And Kennedy did not understand or see in any way that um, he had to think as a human being rather than somebody who could put America uh, back up on on the uh, financial pedestal. So, yes, he did think of himself as president, but it never, never amounted to anything. Would you say that Kennedy was clearly an anti-Semite? How did that manifest itself? I believe, recall reading in the book that he actually had a certain sensitivity towards the Jewish vote, and perhaps even courted it at, at, at some point. Where, where did the anti-Semitism come from? I think where did the anti-Semitism come from is probably the, the beginning of the, uh, of the trail. Um, virtually all Irish Catholics at that time in Boston were anti-Semitic because the Jewish immigrants who, who were in that area and the Irish immigrants who were in that area were constantly jockeying for position. They were both outsiders. Um, I think that it was a natural part of his upbringing. When he went on to Harvard, um, most of the upper crust were generally, but not specifically, anti-Semitic. Okay. But Kennedy admired um, people who were able to claw their way up like him. And so uh, I think it was Hannah Arendt who said, every fascist has his favorite Jew. Kennedy had his favorite Jew. It was Arthur Kroc. He didn't mind. He, he worked with, um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name now, the owner of uh, Filene's uh, department store, um, who was a Jew. He had people that he used for specific reasons, and Jews were to be used for financial and political uh, gain. Um, the plan that the Kennedy plan that you refer to um, was not his plan, but he said, well, if I'm going to be president, I, I should get the Jewish vote as well. And so that's why he came up with the Kennedy plan. It really had nothing to do with saving Jews who were at risk or sending Jews to um, Israel at the time, Palestine. Um, on the contrary, he, he wanted them to go to Guyana, um, of course, Guyana didn't didn't want more than 10,000. So, I mean, you know, the whole thing was, um, if it weren't so tragic, absolutely tragic, uh, it, it, it was almost laughable. Um, and yet he used Jews and then he'd call them all of the Jewish, the, the Jewish horrible names that people would call Jews. He he blamed the Jewish press for his not being able to become president. All the criticism comes from Jews. He couldn't understand why, when he'd been so nice to the Jews, that he was being criticized. Well, frankly, when you when you get all of the the um, international committee to save the Jews was based at the embassy in London, he would be he would go in there and ferret out all of their information and pass it off as as his own as, as to solutions. But also, he would then say that you know he 
didn't know what was happening later on. Well, all of the information was in the office in London. He read what was going on. He understood that in Vienna alone what was happening. Um, you know, the Rothschilds were saving their own family as much as they possibly could. Some were coming to, lucky enough to come to England at the time. He, he, to claim that he didn't know what was happening was, was immoral. Um, he, he didn't like the Jews. But, but uh, very interesting aside, when I was at the Kennedy Library, uh, there was a very nice Israeli um, teacher there who was a former Shin Bet officer. And he, we got to talking um, during lunch breaks and what have you. And he was explaining to me what good friends of Israel, Jack Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, and even Edward Kennedy were. Okay. And we were discussing why, you know, if Joe was such an anti-Semite, why that happened. And uh, we, we ended up agreeing that the children saw something they didn't like. They kept it to themselves. And when they had the power to do something about it, they did. Fascinating. How, given the reputation um, that he garnered over the years, the negative reputation and the isolationism going against Roosevelt as a Democrat, how did he manage to position his children, Jack Kennedy, to be able to, to succeed in politics and become president, given his reputation? I think that there is, first of all, nobody wanted to tar Jack or John, John Jr., with the same brush. If such so John Jr., I'll be okay, Joe Jr., with the same brush. Um, had Joe Jr. lived, I don't believe he would have ever been the first Catholic president. Um, he was a chip off the old block. Um, there were stories that he was very violent towards women. Um, he was certainly an anti-Semite. Um, he thought that he was bigger than his father in many ways. Um, the letters that he wrote uh, that were anti-Roosevelt are, are shocking. Um, so in in many ways, there would not have been a Kennedy legacy had he lived, in my opinion. Okay, this, this all comes back to how did it all work? Um, Jack, on the other hand, was the reader in the family. He had been very ill his entire life, um, very brave through that illness. Um, he had Addison's disease and it wasn't known until well after his death. And it wasn't treated until he was already an adult. Um, but he understood history. He understood the history of Israel. He made a point of understanding why there was an Arab-Israeli conflict. Um, he understood why Europe could not allow Hitler to be Hitler. Uh, what Mussolini was getting wrong. And he wrote about all of this privately. And what's so interesting is when the war came to America, he's not taking advice from Joe Jr., Joe Kennedy. He's taking advice from Jack. And Jack is telling him to temper his, his rhetoric, to please stop doing what you're doing. Uh, Jack is trying to make him into a diplomat, which is 
like taking a horse and turning it into uh, Cinderella. Okay. So um, essentially, though, there were a lot of people like J. Edgar Hoover, like the Democratic Party, that liked the look of the Kennedys. They were handsome. Um, in the words of um, Maria Riva, who was Marlena Dietrich's daughter, they could all do advertising for uh, uh, toothpaste companies. They were wonderful, the Kennedy children, and they were wonderful. Um, why they were wonderful is a whole other story, but they were wonderful in their own way. They were very special. And I think Jack was able to shine once Joe Jr. died. Um, and of course, he died in 1944 as the first drone pilot. Uh, within a minute of takeoff, the plane exploded. So, What would you say is the legacy of Joe Kennedy as it relates to American foreign policy? Did he have any impact at all? Well, his impact came through his sons. Um, his children were his greatest legacy. Um, he probably knew that somewhere deep inside, although he had too big of a, uh, an ego to admit it himself. Uh, he certainly uh, was responsible for, the, for Jack Kennedy's first cabinet. Um, he made sure that Robert, who'd never tried a case in his life, became attorney general. He wasn't a bad attorney general either. Actually, of all the Kennedy children, he was the brightest, uh, Robert Kennedy. Um, but I think that it had to be his children in so many ways for both the positive and the negative side. They are the ones that really left a mark on American foreign policy and on American political, on the American political scene. Bill Clinton tried to be another Kennedy from hope, right? Um, so it is something that resonates still with Americans today. And um, I hope I made a strong enough point in the book that uh, the Kennedy children were very special. Um, they had all the privileges. They'd never had to work, but they did have a strong belief in public service. What's next um, for you? What, what's, what's the next project? And um, my next book is entitled Hitler's Aristocrats. And um, I write a lot about anti-Semitism directly and indirectly. And this book um, is dedicated, I hope she doesn't hear this, um, is dedicated to Barbie Weinberg and her uh, husband who passed away recently, who were very important in my life growing up. And it's about um, the very well-placed movers and shakers in Britain and America who backed Hitler. And it's quite shocking. And quite shocking. Coming out, when is that scheduled to be published? Uh, I spoke to my editor yesterday, actually. He said February 2023. Okay. Okay. Under a year. Yeah. Again, um, The Ambassador by Susan Ronald. It's a, a, a page turner. Uh, it's the Kennedys. And it's brought in with, with great research and entertaining. And, and again, urge all our viewers and listeners to go online and, and simply purchase it. And again, Ms. Ronald, thank you very, very much. This has been. Uh, thank you. Thank well, you for having as the, as the British would say, delightful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Shalom. <laughs>